Good morning and welcome to this week's public affairs program. I'm Amy Adams. This week, Julie Burkett, owner-operator of Toys for Teaching, speaks on how she started her first business following a career as a teacher and how COVID intervened. Before Tools for Teaching, she was a teacher at Hebron Elementary School, so she really understands child development and, and now all things toys. Um, Tools for Teaching was a finalist for the 2023 Toy and Game International Excellence Award, the Taggies, is it Taggies, uh, for Retailer of the Year. So they got that great recognition. It was awesome. Uh, Julie also serves on the board of Easter Seals and is a great supporter of Easter Seals, which we really appreciate. And if you're familiar with the Easter Seals Hoppening Program, which is the program we do in the schools where we educate kids about disabilities and then they get pledges for how many times they can hop in a, is it a, is it a minute? Um, Julie volunteered hours and hours and hours in that program to help us educate kids about disabilities. And after COVID, we decided to uh, have a video made that would do a lot of that presentation. And so if you ever get a chance to see it, the lead character is uh, kind of, based on Julie. So um, anyway, good friend, Julie Barczyk. All right, good afternoon, everyone. So about a week and a half ago, I get a phone call from Pete that we needed to uh, have a speaker on the spur moment. So good news and bad news, it's me. And so um, really, it could have the talk could have gone either way. And so I was like, well, what do you want me to talk about? I can I can get up and talk with the best of them about pretty much anything you want. So he asked for me to tell a little bit about what it was like building a store from the ground up, what it's like to survive during COVID and all of that. So I'm going to kind of give you a little bit more history as far as that goes, but I'm going to back it up to background of how I went from teaching to a toy store. So ever since I was in first grade, I thought I knew I wanted to be a teacher. I knew that from day one, the bus dropped me off at my mom's preschool classroom. I got to read to the kids and I was like, that's it, it's perfect. I'm always gonna be a teacher. I've got the plan, I'm set, ready to go. And so even during career development, everything I was like, I'm good. I already know what I'm gonna do. So 10 years, I worked at Hebron. I started in kindergarten, eight years there and then moved up to third grade and a year and a half there. And so during this time, teaching has shifted over the past couple years, the decade I was there, and more and more time was going into lesson planning and objectives and standards, and although all of that is critical, I was spending a lot of time away from my family at home as well, so the year I decided to leave teaching, everything was going well except for the fact I was spending about 74 hours a week in the classroom, and with a one and three-year-old, that's not ideal, so in the back of my mind, I kept thinking, okay, I don't know what else there could be, but if anything ever arrives, I might be open to that opportunity. Never did I tell that to anyone, but I kind of thought about it. So at that time, why Easter Seals is so important to our family is my kids were joint between the two of them in seven different therapies a week. So we were hopping from one place to the other. Thankfully, my mom was taking them everywhere. But as a mom, you feel bad thinking, I'm missing all of that. I, I see the reports of what they're working on, but I feel like I need a bigger hand in that. So all of these ideas were kind of spinning in my head. And then we get to thinking about how Teachers Aid announced they were leaving. So if you're familiar with Teachers Aid, they were in the community for 30 plus years. In 2015, they announced they were gonna retire and just have the Owensboro location. Well, in 2016, they announced that the Owensboro location was closing. So I remember vividly sitting around the table at lunch with my third grade team, and we were all kind of ticked. <laughs> we were really upset that this was leaving because we're like, what does this mean for the community? 
teachers need a place where they can go find resources and have those available, and that really wasn't going to be an option. And so one of my coworkers mentioned, you know, someone should open a teaching store. And I was like, well, why does it have to be someone? I feel like that could be me. And I don't know where that need came from and why I had that unwavered confidence to think that I could fill that need. But I didn't want to go home and tell my husband I decided at work to quit my job. That seemed rather impulsive. So I waited 24 hours. So I waited until the next day at dinner. And I said, hey, yesterday at lunch, I have an idea. And anytime the words start, I have an idea, your husband automatically knows it's downhill and it appears to be a conversation, but really kind of the decision was already made in my head that that idea was going to come to fruition. And so I said, teacher's aid is closing. I want to open up a store. And he was like, oh, okay. And I was like, I know it's fine. It's all going to work out. And so then I said, well, we need to call a family meeting. I feel like I need to tell my parents that this is going on. And so I reached out to my parents and I said, hey, Sunday, I need you to come over after dinner. And I said, heads up, not having a third kid. So sorry, you're done with two. But I feel like I need to say thanks for college, but I'm not really going to use that degree anymore. And so we started talking and the wheels started spinning. And my dad had no problem wanting to think that looking for a real estate location would be a project. So within eight days, we found the building. So we actually found the location on 401 South Green River Road, the old Zeidler's building, for those of you that are familiar with it. And so the fact that you could have a storefront on Green River Road was phenomenal, but it had had seven additions since the 1930s. It may or may not have been in the condition that you really wanted a store, which is why it had sat there vacant for a few years. And so it was kind of the hidden gem, and maybe we kind of got a backhoe in there and started tearing walls down and ripping out a greenhouse and all of those things. And I remember thinking, oh my goodness, what have I gotten myself into? Like... And at this point, no one I worked with knew that I was leaving because I hadn't fully figured out how I was going to tell them I was leaving or the time frame of that. So all of this was going on as like after school, what I was doing. So I remember thinking that a remodel is kind of like a construction project. Oh, it's way different than a construction project because when you build from the ground up, you have a set of plans and you follow them. When you're remodeling, you get to do all the fun surprises that you find along the way. And they're not good surprises. So we found seven layers of shingles. For those of you that don't know, super illegal. And it weighs a lot, which is the reason that there was water inside the building when it should have not been in the building. And I remember coming home from work one day, and I was like, oh, I'm going to stop by and see what they did today. And I could see clouds. And you weren't supposed to see clouds. There was no longer a roof. They had torn off the entire roof because there was no way to fix it without actually redoing the whole thing. So we also found that there was a double concrete wall. The good news is we could have withstood a hurricane. Bad news is not real great when you're wanting to knock that wall down. So it took a lot of late nights, many, many hours. And I don't know where this unwarranted confidence came from because I have no MBA. I had no business experience. I had no business plan. I remember my dad saying, okay, for your first year, you need to write a business plan. I'm like, I am totally on it. And that night I Googled what a business plan was because I had no idea what that meant. I was like, I can give you standards. I can give you an objective. You're going to ask for a business plan. That's not my area. So I did know what I did know. And I knew that I knew teaching and I knew that I knew being a parent. And I knew what it was like to be a kid with special, a parent to two kids with special needs. And I kept thinking, okay, there are other people out there that have the same need I do, and where are we going to go, and what are we going to shop for? So I started thinking, okay, well, if I can figure out the need, then I can help solve it, and I know that I'm not the only one that has this need. So I was thankful because I turned to people that I knew as far as 
okay, I can't do this all by myself. What's this going to look like? So my mom jumped on board, and she helped with the planning. And I was fortunate enough that two of the teachers that I told in that original meeting about how, oh, somebody should open up a store, actually ended up retiring and coming to work for me. So I'm super blessed that now my coworkers were my coworkers and continue to be my coworkers because I was able to support myself with a team of really strong people that were heavy in education that knew what it was like. And then I had my first interview. And when you're naive and you get interviewed, you think this is going to be the greatest day of my life. They came to interview me. And then I was called a quitter. So the headline read, teacher quits job to revive the classroom supply store. And I was like, oh, bad press is good, right? Any kind of press is good until they call you names. And you think, oh, that's a little, that stung a little bit. And so I thought about it and I was like, wow. I don't like, I didn't want my students thinking that I was quitting. I didn't want parents of the kids I was teaching thinking I was quitting. And I was like, I sure don't want my kids to think I was a quitter, even though they were too young to know what that meant. But the more I dwelled on it and I thought about it, I thought, okay, anything that I've ever quit in life has just been a no for right now, but it's opened up a whole lot of yeses from then on out. So I was like, maybe quitting isn't such a bad thing. I remember quitting piano lessons, and I sure didn't feel bad after that was done. And I remember not playing golf in high school anymore, and that was okay because that opened other opportunities up as well. So I was like, so maybe if I need to quit, then this will open up some other doors. And so I will say it the article was not the most positive of articles and so it had a sting but it motivated me to do what they said I couldn't do because there's no better motivation than when somebody tells you this probably isn't going to work this is the best this is the worst time you could ever go into retail most people are closing their doors and you're wanting to open something obviously the store that was here didn't make it so why are you any different and I was like you know what this is motivation right here so I took the article and I put it a post-it on my desk and it said probably won't be here five years from now and so I may or may not have taken my picture with it on our five-year anniversary um, but this the statistics it kept proving were 20% of new businesses fail within the first year and 45% fail in the first five years and I was like oh well that's promising that sounds really hopeful as you're going into a business you know nothing about and have no background knowledge of and then 20 21.4% are women-owned and so I'm like okay well we're going against the odds here, but that's okay because I kept listening to the needs. And so I kept saying, you know, tell me what it is you want. I will carry it. I'll figure out how to do it. I'm going to solve the problem and it's all going to work. And so I wanted to build a store that was the, you come in to see it, you touch it, you feel it, you figure it out. And so we actually created a social media page. I know I lived in a dark under rock. I didn't even have Facebook at this time in life. I had to ask my husband to create me a profile and figure that out because I was like, I've never done social media in my life, and now it's a huge component of our life at the store. And so we ended up coming up with all these things and going through figuring out what people wanted. And, you know, we constantly heard from people, this is what we need, this is what you should look into having. And so we worked on setting up the store. And for those of you that don't know setting up a store, I didn't either. It's fine. And so a lot of work went into it. And when people were like, what is your open date? my open date from the beginning was April 1st because the plan B was if it didn't pan out by then it was an April Fool's Day joke and huh, joke was on you for believing that April 1st was that day and so I remember we got carpet March 1st and we had 30 days to set up the entire store so it took a lot of work and I'm not gonna lie there were times that we didn't think we were gonna get there I remember at one point thinking when the back room was added on I was like how am I ever gonna order enough inventory to fill that and now I have the issue of 
where am I going to put that next rack? Because there's always something else coming. And so we went from a ribbon cutting April 1st to our fifth year anniversary last year, where the whole family was able to celebrate the five years that has come along the way. And so we wouldn't be where we were without the support of everybody that's come in and the local support that's been with us from the beginning and saying, here's what you need to carry, and then supporting us when we've done that. And so the big box stores will tell you they're thankful for everyone that walks in the door. It really means that when you're a local business. You know what it's like to sit there the first couple hours of the day and be like, oh my gosh, is anyone going to come today? Do they still know that I'm here? Is there is there still that need? And so you're thankful for every person that comes in the door. We don't have the big box accounts that are going to order from us and fill an entire school. We have one teacher at a time, one family at a time, one grandparent at a time. And so being at the location we are on Green River Road, it's great storefront, but we don't have a strip mall. We're not located within a mall, so we're a destination store. If you want to come see us, you have to really want to come see us. And so we built that thinking we wanted to have that access for teachers. We wanted to have the accesses for church to come and get those resources and for the parents and the special needs community to be able to do so. And so when people talk about what did it take to build it, I mean, it took a lot of creativity. It took hard work, and it sure as heck took the supporting family to get there. And the way I kind of looked at it in the beginning was that short-term sacrifice was going to be there for the long-term gain. And so I learned a lesson from my kids very early on at their seven habits of their school thinking with the end in mind. My game point was always, where is this going to get us five years from now, ten years from now? What, what is all this going to be? And so I still have lots of ideas. And I joke with my husband that it all started with, I have an idea. Well, the girls at work know that whenever I come in, I'm like, guess what? This morning in the shower, I have this idea. And they all know we're in trouble because that probably means we're going to roll out some new display or some new sale or some new campaign or something different. And so we're able through it to partner with a lot of organizations. We wouldn't be where we were today without all of that that we're able to do. And like Kelly said, the hopping program has been in existence since I was a kid and doing the hopping. And so we've been able to revamp that and do a lot of things. I would have never been able to do that inside the classroom. Although you're making a difference on the kids you have in your room, I've been able to do it on a greater scale, being able to work with some fantastic organizations that wouldn't have that if I wouldn't be able to be as flexible as I am. And so I'm able to work with Autism Evansville on their 5K and walk. I'm able to work with Art Crisis Center on their fairy tale ball. So we've been able to really partner ourselves with some great local organizations that just help fit our mission along with their mission and helping the kids that are out there. And so I love learning new things each day, and it's really fun. I've always said since the beginning, like, any company and business can write you a check, but I want to be there to the finish line. I want to help see the project through. I want to be on the ground, like, dedicating my time. And if our logo is going to be on it, I need to know what the mission is, and I want us to be a partnership in it as well. So in all honesty, as we were going through all this, failure wasn't an option. I remember Pete asking the other day, what why didn't you give up? What, whatever made you think of quitting? And I was like, I'm going to be honest. I didn't think failure was an option. I mean, I genuinely believed this was a need and we were going to do it and it was going to happen. And then year three hit COVID because all new businesses love the fact of a road bump. Even businesses that had been in existence 50, 60 years had never been to the point of surviving a pandemic. And so businesses were being shut down. And so we had to figure out, are you essential? Well, here's the secret. I didn't know if we were essential or not. Who do you ask? It was like the first time we had bad weather. I've never had to ask for permission for anything, but I had the decision that we could close the store due to snow. Okay, well, are you essential? 
I didn't have anyone to ask, so you know what? I declared, yep, we sure are essential. And I was like, if somebody really wants to bother with Evansville, Indiana and telling us we're not essential, then they can. But I'm pretty sure people had more important things going on. So we rocked it and we went with it. And so we did all sorts of things. And so people were like, are you essential? And I was like, yeah, unless you tell me I'm not. Do you have authority to do that? And they're like, no. I was like, okay, well, then I think we're essential. So we stayed open during quite a bit of it. So... Um, we were closed to the public. We did curbside, so we did everything in a safe manner. But, you know, when something new comes along, you just figure it out as you go, and that's exactly what we did during COVID. And thankfully, we were able to take advantage of some of the, the Paycheck pr Protection Program, the ERC, and then the Vandenberg Small Business Grants, because without those, we would not have been able to pay our staff. Because as we're working curbside pickup, I'm going to be honest, it was a hot mess in the store. It was my mom, me, and both kids. And so I was doing virtual teaching, which was – I can teach other people's kids, but your owner a different ball game. And so as I'm virtually teaching them and trying to run the store and doing all of that, it was a hot mess. And so I was thankful that I didn't want to expose my employees to the risks of it. But at the same time, we needed to sustain the business and be able to stay open. So we were able to use those government programs. And so when you heard all these buzzwords going around, they did help some of the small guys like us to be able to survive. So we were able to retain those employees and we were able to still pay them during it because it wasn't their fault, just like it wasn't our fault. They should still be paid, but I didn't really want them coming to work. But how do you justify the payment for them? So all of that worked out really well as far as us being able to come around it and all of that. And so we transitioned to Facebook Live sales. Never in my life did I think I'd be a QVC person. My grandparents loved QVC, and I always cringed at it. I thought those people were so annoying, and I didn't need to hear 72 statistics why this was going to sell out and why it was the best ring you ever needed in your life. And God sure is funny because karma came back around to hit me for those mean thoughts I had because that was me. And so we were actually able to reach a wider audience because we do. There's no store like us south of Indianapolis, north of Nashville, anywhere in southern Illinois, and Kentucky as far as Louisville. So we've got a huge radius that comes to see us as far as supporting the teachers and the parents of it. And so people were reaching out once again, hey, we have this need. We need to be able to figure out what you have without being in there. So we did Facebook Live sales. So I exploited both of my kids and put them on the screen and said, hey, we're going to sell some stuff. Let's show them what we've got and walk through the store. And people loved it. I may have not loved when my son handed out my cell phone number on a Facebook Live. But I did climb over the table and put my hand over his mouth rather quickly. Um, and so you just don't know what's possible until you do it. So for anybody that's out there saying, was it easy? No, but you figure it out as you went. No one else knew how to survive COVID any more than I did being a new business. So we went from having social media updates and all of that, being able to FaceTime things. So people always say, what is it that you're doing that you didn't think you'd be doing? So I, I put six things up here. I know there are seven pictures, but two of them are kind of the same thing. I never thought I'd be filming commercials ever in my life, if you ever thought I'd be in that. I've recruited the entire family at one point or another has been a shopper or a grandparent or a customer buying something. I never thought I'd see my dad and my son up on a scissor lift painting our sign because it looked awful, and it did look awful. And finally this year, my son was at Lowe's, and he was like, Grandpa, safety blue is a fun color. We're going to paint that sign. And Grandpa couldn't tell Andrew no, so we got our sign painted. I put together every fixture in the store. I never thought that for Mother's Day last year I'd be thrilled when I got a drill because putting it together was way more easier with a drill than the Allen wrench that I've been using for the past five years. I've window painted. Our door broke last year, 20 degrees below zero on the day Santa was there. That's when you get to really feel flexible when your front door falls off. 
It was a great day. I mean, we'd been there since 2017. It couldn't have done it when it was 70 and pretty out, but let's wait until it's 20 below and two days before Christmas. It's a great time to get a crew to fix it. And then how to figure out how to drive a forklift and park nine pallets in it. If you would have ever told me I was going to drive a forklift, I would have thought you were crazy. I'm not going to say I'm good at it now. I sure give the delivery guys some entertainment value when I get on it and drive it to go get it. So how did we get where we're at? Through a lot of different things. So now I've kind of told you the whole background as far as how we've got to this point, but you're still probably sitting there questioning, like, who is she? What does she have? And, and what is this store? So the number one question we get is, aren't you just for teachers? No, we are open to the public. I would say that's our number one question we get all the time when the phone rings is, are you just for teachers? Do I have to show a badge when I come in? I have two kids. And I'm like, I don't, I don't really care who you are. You can come in to shop. We're not an exclusive place. So we did begin with 90% teaching and 10% families. But over the past six years, we've really changed that to be a 50-50 split because that's what the customers have asked for. So we have a whole game section and puzzle section and toy section, along with all the resources that are needed for all the classrooms to be set up also. And so... When we came up with the name Tools for Teaching, we purposely didn't put teacher in it because I fully believe that anyone can teach. You could teach your grandkid, you could teach your neighbor. As long as you're impacting young ones, anyone could be a teacher and we've got the tools in order for you to do that. So that's kind of how the whole naming dynamics happened. And so I remember that when we first started, they said, how many vendors are you gonna have? And I said, well, we're probably gonna buy from maybe 10 or 12 different companies because it's gonna be really hard to figure out how to order that and I don't really know how that's gonna work. And so the girls at work like to tell me all the time how wrong I was because we have 161 vendors now. And so I like to order a lot and I always say whenever they're like, a huge order just came in, how come? And I was like, I took advantage of free shipping. So you guys may get your free shipping for $49.99 at places. I like to get it too. So that's, a, that's an expense I sure don't want to pay. And so how we get out in the community is we go to a lot of vendor shows. We'll go to the Jingle Mingle Mart. We'll go up to the daycares up in Washington, Indiana that have training every summer that don't have the accessibility to get here all the time. And so we've really had a fun time going out in the community and attending those vendor shows. Toy shows. For those of you that want a fun time, oh my goodness, toy shows. Who would have thought this year we went to our first toy show. I took the whole family. There's nothing better than taking your two kids and having them test out all the toys. So I don't know if they were a distraction or not. I tried to explain to them the difference between a vacation and a work trip. And I said, okay, when we go, I'm going to be writing orders. Here's you guys a cute little notebook. You write what you like and what you don't like because my son is very honest and he'll tell you, I don't think that's a fun game to your face. And so I said, you just write down your thoughts on paper. And he goes, I'll give them a rating scale. I'm like, I'm pretty sure they'll be able to read that, but at least it'll be quiet so they can read at their own risk. And so they did. And there's nothing more special than going through a toy store, a toy show, and having them test out booth after booth after booth. Did I ever think we would carry inflatable jousting? No. But when you have two kids struggling in Columbus, Ohio, for the jousting stick, and you're trying to balance at the same time, it's racking through my brain of, oh, this is a good OT activity. You're balancing your core. You're working on your hand-eye coordination. Like, yep, okay. We have an entire active play section because my kids went against my advisement of saying we didn't need to go down that entire section and they stopped at every booth which we made purchases from. So we were able to find a lot of things. We also expanded, when we first started, we started at about age two and up because toddlers is really where 
it kind of started developmentally wise. Before that, they're great at sleeping and eating, and that's kind of about where that went. There just wasn't a lot of resources available. But once Babies R Us went out of business and a couple other local stores closed, we really needed to have more and more need for baby. And so I went out sourcing and looking for other things. So we created an entire baby boutique in the past year just because of the customer feedback letting us know we needed to do that. And so we really built relationship with the customers that they feel comfortable telling me, hey, look into this, try to find this. And the thing is, I appreciate their feedback telling me what we need, and they appreciate the fact that I'll actually do it. So the other thing that we had the, the thing to figure out were birthday baskets. So for those of you that don't know what a birthday basket is, think of a gift registry for a wedding, but for a birthday. So if your kid has a birthday coming up, they come in the store, they fill the basket with 10 to 15 items around the store, they put it in the basket, we put it on our birthday basket shelf, and then friends and family can come shop from that after we share it on Facebook. It works really well because then you don't have returns. I don't know about you, but returns are the death of me. I hate taking anything back. It's a waste to stand in the line. I have my receipt. They still can't figure it out on the system. It never ends up going back to your credit card. It's just a hassle for all parts involved. And like I said, my kids are brutally honest. So at birthdays, they'd be like, oh, we have this puzzle. Oh, we already have that. I don't like this. And so it's great. I'm working on teaching them a filter, but the need for that was birthday baskets. Because guess what? They're only going to get it once. Because if you come shop from the basket, they take that item out. They can't get it a second time. And so it really has been a godsend as far as if your kid is invited to a birthday party and you don't really know them. I know what my kid likes, but I don't know if your kid's going to like it or not. You're able to get it, and it really has fit that need really well. And then, of course, the thing I love most, which is what I spent my morning doing this morning, was wrapping gifts. You can come for your birthday gift, your Christmas gift, and it's free gift wrapping before you're out the door. And it just helps make it look nice. And it's a convenience factor for the families. As they come by and they pick out that gift, they're on their way to their birthday party. They get it, they wrap it, and they're out the door ready to go. So I've kind of told you Christmas is our big time of the year. Birthdays are our big time of the year. But what about the rest of the year. I know this sounds weird, and especially as a business that's wanting to survive, all of our events we do are free. I don't want to take advantage of people and the fact that whether they can pay or not pay is the reason we're going to do activities. So during the summer, I teach a Science Friday lesson, three sessions, because I only max it out at 25 kids apiece, and we'll do a lesson on ocean. We'll do a lesson on rocks. We'll do a lesson on insects. We'll do a lesson themed every week. They'll make crafts. They'll learn the science behind it. And we'll have a 45-minute lesson where the parents have to put their phones down and interact with their kids and do a joint project together. It is so fun to see the parents work with their kids and do a one-on-one -on -one activity. We do it during the school year. We just change it from Science Fridays to Science Saturdays. And then we have our Christmas in July celebrations where we'll make snow in the middle of the summer. It's a lot of fun and a huge mess. We do t toy testing all the time. So like Small Business Saturday coming up, we'll have the kids come in and they'll get to test toys and they'll fill out a rating scale and what they like and what they don't like so the parents can see them interact with it before they make that purchase. We'll have a Halloween party where they get to come in and play games and dress up and all of those things. And then right now we're in the middle of Neighborhood Toy Store Month where toy stores across the U.S. are celebrating that it's the toy store month where you're supporting your local neighborhood stores. So we're able to do all those cool things. One of my favorite is our egg hunt. I have two kids with special needs. Going to an egg hunt where there's 5,000 kids is a bit overwhelming and overstimulating. So we have appointment type egg hunts where you come in and we only have 25 kids per session. We fill thousands and thousands of eggs. Families can make 
a choice what time slot they want to come to, they'll come to it, they'll get to do their egg hunt, and they get to leave without ever having the craziness of a lot of the other egg hunts out there. Parents love it because they know that everything in there, I have a parent of two allergy kids, nothing in there is edible. It's all toys, games, and little prizes, stickers, and fun things like that, where they don't have to worry about the fact of what age the kid is. And then we've also got our summer bridge program where all summer long, every Friday or Saturday, the kids come in and show us their summer learning book. They get prizes and they earn a grand prize at the end of summer. So we're constantly coming up with ways that we can partner with the kids and the families to encourage that learning all year round. And then this time of year, Christmas wish list. It's similar to our birthday baskets, but they're able to make a wish list instead and then we'll go through and highlight it. We don't reserve the stock because it would go into it. So there are top sellers all throughout. We're able to do the Tonys and all of those fun things and the magnetiles, which are just huge right now. So you're wondering, how does this apply to you? I will tell you, local businesses live for the next six weeks of the year. What we do the next six weeks keeps us with our doors open through January and February when no one shops retail. One, it's Evansville, and two, it's January. No one has anything to buy in January. And so the sales that you make, we all hold over from now all the way through to help pay all those bills that are going to carry on. And why shop local? We support you just like you support us. Without us being able to support each other, none of us would be able to be there. Yes, there's the time for the ordering online and there's the time for the big box stores, but in all honesty, the local ones are what sets us apart from other communities. So we are super blessed with a lot of amazing places in Evansville. So we hope if you haven't come to see us, you come to see us. And we are at 401 South Green of Road, right across from the Goodwill. So thank you guys for having me today. Thanks for joining us for this week's public affairs program. From all of us from Midwest Communications in Evansville, Indiana, have a great week.